Welcome to episode number two of Fueling Success, an athlete's story, where we talk with Division One and professional athletes about their stories and what they did to get to that level. Our guest today is Morgan Hill, a former client of mine who is now a freshman fullback on the women's soccer team at Georgia State. Welcome to the show, Morgan. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Of course, of course. Yeah, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm from Georgia originally. I grew up playing soccer pretty much my whole life. I fell in love with it at a very young age. Um, About eighth grade, that's when I really started to get into recruiting, um, started really taking it all seriously, realizing that I really wanted to play Division I soccer. That was my goal. Um, The spring of my junior year in high school is when I committed to play at Georgia State University. I still love it. It's amazing here. It's like a family. Um, The school itself is really good. And yeah, there were definitely a lot of ups and downs. Um, I tore my ACL my senior year of um, high school, and I I learned a lot from that. I also learned a lot from working with you, which is sick. And yeah, I've just been like super passionate about continuing to learn how to improve my game. And I know nutrition is a huge part of that. So that's why I'm just so excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That was actually one of my questions is uh, the benefit of working as a sports dietitian or like what you notice because you know some people look at sports nutrition to enhance their game to get that scholarship opportunity when you worked with me you already had the offer georgia state and you were just looking to kind of fine-tune that game or fine-tune your games like what benefit did you find from like fine-tuning your nutrition yeah so obviously you know we all do the best we can um those of us who are in high school without a degree to figure out okay what's the best way to get to the next level and i had done a lot of research especially during covid that's when i really was like okay so what can i do and that's when i was like okay so lifting is a huge part of it but then so is nutrition so i started to do a lot of research figured out you know the whole macros and calorie counting and all that um And I thought that I had done the best I could with the knowledge I had. And at that point, I was like, all right, I'm doing pretty good. My training has been top notch. I'm training with all the right people. I'm lifting. But I feel like that one little gap that I just can't find on my own was my nutrition. Um, I also, you know, the... I got my information from the lifting community and they have put a lot of stigma around certain types of food groups and working with you really helped me realize that you don't have to be scared of eating, you know, processed foods. Like, for example, I remember working with you, you were like, yeah, like you really need to be eating some sort of quick carb before your um, like soccer practice. And in my head, I was like, oh, really? Because everyone was always talking about fasting cardio and how good that is for you. You know, so it's just like learning like little things that separate like health and fitness from division one athletic health and fitness. There's a big difference there. Yeah, no, for sure. It's it's a lot, especially, you know, when you're in high school, a lot of times if you're if you're a really good athlete, you can get away with, you know, subpar nutrition as a high school athlete because you're likely the best of the best. And, you know, if you're not 100 percent, you're still pretty much up there then you step on campus at a d1 school and everyone else on your team was that person and it's not going to cut it anymore the poor nutrition um it's it's crazy yeah because actually when i started my business my goal was to work with high school athletes that wanted to go play in college to improve their nutrition to help you know increase recruiting chances and then i noticed i was getting a good amount of clients like you that either were actually in college already or 
going into their senior year and they already had their D1 offers. And I'm like, well, why do you want to work on your nutrition? You already have it. And then you realize, yeah, you need to pick it up even more if you want to compete at that D1 level. So that's that's really good. Um, And actually, one thing you mentioned is just obviously how much fun it is to play college soccer and the excitement and all that. One, I wouldn't call it unique, but something about your situation is you went kind of local, right? So you go to Georgia State and that's within an hour of your home, maybe, right? Yeah, it's 45 minutes away yeah. from home. So do you notice that any different, like, um, the fact that your parents can come to your games or just being in that atmosphere? like? Yeah, it's awesome, you know, getting to walk around campus. I see a lot of kids I went to high school with. And, you know, in high school, everyone hears, like, oh, yeah, she's going to one for soccer. But then you get to walk around with the book bag and the gear, and you're like, yeah, look, I'm here, you know, like, it's cool. <laughs> um, it's great. I get to play with a lot of the players that I played with growing up. Oh, that's so cool. it's kind of like a full circle moment you know it's like oh my goodness this girl that I played with in U15 and she's like the starting center back on my college team it's super cool you know so it's cool stuff like that um my parents being close to me is a huge thing for me because I'm very close to my family I think um as I mentioned before I did tear my ACL so I am having some like issues with that right now so having that support system right down the road as well as you know, like the family that we have here, the culture that we have here has been um, very helpful with all of that, you know, it's been great. No, definitely having that support system, I can only imagine. And it's interesting you're saying like, yeah, you played against these girls and now you're playing with them. Because when I was at Duke, I kind of noticed a lot of the opposite. It was, you know, every game, you know, at least one player on our team knew someone from the other team, either they played with them growing up or they're from the same area and they played each other three times a year and they're like, hey, I remember you or you know, obviously if they play together on like ODP or youth national team together. So it's, it's interesting, especially with soccer, because there's so much of the, you know, obviously the travel and there's so many levels to it with the national and regional teams. Um, actually, so speaking of that, what age were like, what age were you when you started playing soccer? So I first played like my first, uh, you know, season, rec season, probably, um, I want to say second or third grade. So I was very young. And I took a couple seasons off to try things. I did try basketball. I realized I'm super not gifted with eye-hand coordination. <laughs> um, tried lacrosse. Wasn't for me. Uh, swimming. But I just, I really just loved soccer. Um, it just became it for me. I w- it was something I was already good at as a, at a young age, which is, you know, when you find something you're good at, it's fun. <laughs> so <laughs> I stuck with it. And I ended up like committing to play full-time fifth grade when like academy started oh wow okay and since then, yeah i've just been playing soccer oh wow so that's that's pretty young to focus on just one sport yeah yeah and that's like in retrospect i i still think it's crazy and i'm very thankful for it because it's put me it's given me the opportunities i have now but i was like wow i really took it seriously in fifth grade <laughs> you did that was yeah, yeah. it's crazy and, it, and it's still like that. But. Yeah. And I feel like every sport's a little bit different and also just really depends on, again, your situation and, you know, what you want to focus on. Because in the first episode, I was talking with my intern, Caitlin. She's a D1 softball player. And she was talking about, yeah, she did many sports throughout high school as well, even though softball is also year round. Um, and we see it, right? Sometimes it's good to specialize in that sport at a young age because you can put everything you have into that sport. And sometimes it's good to play a multitude of sports because it translates over, like skills can translate. Um, like, for example, my high school team, uh, my friend became, he was a starting varsity goalie as a sophomore, which is pretty rare for my school. And he had never played goalie before that. 
and it was, he was always the forward, right? And he was a really good basketball player, and that was actually his main sport at the time. And our coach knew that, and he's like, "Hey, John, why don't you try out goalie? I think your height, your athleticism, all that would be really good." And he ended up being a great goalie, right? He and actually it was <laughs> the middle of a JV game. The goalies on the varsity got hurt, and or they were down by a lot, and one of the coaches ran over to our field and was like, hey, we need John in this game. <laughs> but it's crazy, right? Like, if he didn't play basketball, he wouldn't have been a good soccer player. But it, I guess it just really varies, which is interesting. So it's, um, that's always the debate. Should you specialize in a sport or should you play multiple sports? And I think, I don't think there's a right answer. I think everyone's different. Yeah, sure. and to add on to that, I think that there are some new sh- uh, studies showing that being a multi-sport athlete can decrease the chance that you're going to tear, for example, like your ACL. Yes. Um, and if you're like just if you're a soccer player and you're nervous about you know focusing on another sport, I did have a friend. Her name was Ellie McIntyre. She played basketball at a high level. She played varsity basketball, and she went to um, Ole Miss to play soccer. So you can do both. It's not impossible to do both. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's, I mean, you see it all the time, right? Um, like how many football players were actually drafted to baseball? I know Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. I'm not sure if Jameis Winston was drafted, but I know he played at Florida State. Um, and you see, and you see the translation, right? Like when you watch Patrick Mahomes play quarterback, obviously he's a great athlete, but part of what makes him even more special is the way he throws and a lot of that he learned from playing baseball. And it's, but yeah, again, there's, there's no wrong or right answer because playing multiple sports as a young athlete it takes away your off season and now you don't get that training and or the, the lifting and focusing and all that so i think it really comes down to where you're at and all that but that's a good point you brought up about the injury risk because uh you're kind of proof of it you specialized <laughs> and toward the acl i don't know if one related to the other um but and, and here's the thing right like you you did tear your acl after we worked together but it was only about a month um, after, so we didn't really get a lot. We didn't have a lot of time to fix everything. How, yeah. like, what role do you feel like your nutrition prior to that played in you getting injured? So, okay, um, speaking to my female athletes out there, it's hard. I know that a lot of us want to train for aesthetics, and that was something I really struggled with. You know, it was summertime. I really wanted to have that beach bod, and yeah. I was lifting for four hours training for two and then going on a run and even though we had worked together and you warned me (laughs) i was definitely on this end and um i think i think that played a role i think that if i would have been fueling myself better and you know you're you're training and you're eating to be a performer to play your sport you're not training so you're gonna have the best six pack at the beach and that's what i struggled with i feel like a lot of girls do struggle with that so my piece of advice is to eat the way that is going to help you perform the best and not injure yourself because that's something that i really regret that um if i do have to get surgery again or like going even like after that happened i was like okay i need to be on my nutrition i need to care about you know like my performance and my my body more than I care about like you know the looks part of it so that was what I think really played a role yeah I mean that's a great message because I I mean I talk about this all the time you gotta you guys gotta stop worrying about your looks you know focus on fueling for performance and all that and as much as I can spread that message and as much as people can hear that it's still going to it's still going to be hard because 
um, you're young. And it, again, boys and girls do face the same issues, but obviously, you know, it's a little more prevalent in girls. And it, I, I say this to a lot of clients, it is very hard to be a teenage girl athlete because you need to fuel your body for performance. You need to be a certain weight and body fat, but you're also a teenage girl. You're going through so much. You want to look a certain way. Your friends look a certain way. People talk in certain ways about body image and about food. And it's just, it's impossible to do it. Like I can only imagine um, what that's like. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if there's any way you can weigh on this, but like, as much as you knew you needed to fuel for soccer and all that, why did you want to have a six pack? Like, why did you want to eat that way to look that way? I really think it was social media. Okay. I think that played a huge role into it, especially TikTok. Scrolling through, and I'm on like the gym side, and like you yep. know, and you see, you're like, wow, like that girl's gorgeous. I wish I looked like her. And you see what she's eating? She's eating 1,200 calories a day, and it's like, yeah. oh, I need to do that to look like her. And so your mind, it's like, and like, let's be honest here, everybody, we go on social media more than we should. We're seeing those messages more than we should be seeing them. And I think that plays a big role into our psyche and how we look at ourselves because we're staring at these other people all day. We go look in the mirror and then we start thinking, okay, what can I do to look more like this girl, that girl? I, I really, now I, I do spend way less time on social media. I post um, TikToks like about my journey and stuff, but I try not to scroll on it too much. I, same thing with Instagram. I keep it for NIL deals, but I, um, I don't scroll through it because yeah. I know that it really does. Even if you have a great head on your shoulders, it's still going to affect you. And you just can't let, you can't let that happen because then like, look what happens. You yeah. carry your for example so there actually is um a setting on i think tiktok where you can basically alter your algorithm so it's like okay you want to like you don't want to see these videos anymore like avoid these videos and i i've had this with many clients where the reason yeah they follow a certain diet or a certain lifting program and all that is because they're simply getting the wrong information and the problem is like it's easy to spot bad information like this is not true and and I can point I can tell you why this is not true. The problem is a lot of the stuff that you see on there is factual. Well, not a lot, but there there's a good amount of information on it that's factual, but it's not applicable. And that's the thing, right? So you could follow a bodybuilding diet and you'll or a bodybuilding plan, you'll build muscle and you'll look great, but you're not going to be a good athlete. And the thing is sports related content is very minimal on social media when compared to general fitness because when you think about the number of high school and college athletes can, compared to all the adults that work out it, it it's just not there's not a lot of sports dietitians on there there's not a lot of strength coaches on there and it's it's hard to sort through that um i, I mean when i was in high school so again social media wasn't as big of a thing you know not to date myself but we just had facebook that was it instagram came out like when i was in college or this became popular when i was in college um so we had facebook so it wasn't really all this stuff on there and then I wasn't really big on YouTube. I think that's where most people got their info from. But yeah. And I was super skinny as a high school athlete. I am, you know, I was like 5'8", 115 pounds as when, when I was a junior in high school. And I wanted to get bigger because I knew that was going to help me with soccer. And so my junior year, like after my junior soccer season, because we played in the fall for high school, um, I started going to the gym a lot. And I gained about 20 pounds that off season, and most of it muscle. And I thought that was going to be great because I was finally a little bit stronger and, and bigger. 
but it didn't make me a better soccer player. And if anything, it actually made me a little bit worse. And the reason is because I was lifting like a bodybuilder. Five days a week, focusing on upper body, then lower body, you know, or doing more upper body than lower body. Just it wasn't performance-based because I didn't know. And that's the thing. I, I didn't know this, and a lot of people still don't know there's a difference. Um, and a part of it was aesthetics, but that's the thing. Like, I was lifting partly for aesthetics, but I was actually lifting mostly for soccer, like, to be a better soccer player. But I was still following the wrong plan, and that's where it gets tricky for sure. Oh, for sure. I 100% agree with you. I did the same exact thing. You know, I uh, actually, her name, um, her name's Kayla Lojas. She's still my inspiration. I love her. She's a female bodybuilder, all natural. Okay. Uh, she played soccer, but the programs and the lifts that she was showing were obviously post, so, like post-college soccer. So they were for aesthetics. They were for, you know, getting huge and strong. And um, I started to follow that. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm getting so strong, you know? And then I go on the soccer field and my mobility is, like, gone. I'm like, okay, why am I, like, suddenly slower? I'm, like, working so hard in the weight room. And then I was like, you know what? That's probably not good for me, isn't it? And I was like, put two and two together. Um, when you do get to D1, like, college, whatever your sport is, you will see for yourself, like, the lifts. And I'm sure you've seen it because you were at Duke. The lifts are so much different than you would oh, expect. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much like, at least for my sports, like uh, plyometrics based mm-hmm. versus strength. And yep. that's great because, you know, I've, I've improved a lot, you know, um, just off of those lifts. And it's crazy because it's not nothing I would have come up with on my own or from using social media. Because yeah. you're right, it's not out there. So. Yeah, and one of the things at the college level, too, is because they pay a little more attention to things. Um, and it's not just <clears throat> it's not just about building muscle. Everyone thinks about lifting to build muscle. But it's also about injury prevention. So one thing, some schools do this. I don't know if they did this with you guys. Did they test your um, quad to hamstring ratio? Okay, so at my school, they did not. Um, but I have done that before. Okay. Just, you know, stop and everything. But yeah. Yeah. So that's a big thing a lot of schools do because um, a lot of athletes, so particularly in soccer, the ratio tends to be off a lot. Soccer, soccer players tend to have a lot stronger quads than hamstrings, and it sets you up for knee injuries. Um, and so that's what they test for that. And then the strength coach will, you know, modify everyone's strength program based on that. So, okay, Hey, let's do a little bit more hamstring work or things like that. Um, but it's crazy because it showed like, I have an example of why that's so important at Georgia, one of our tennis players, um, they're doing a conditioning drill and she like, when she was cutting or something like that, like popped something, her knee popped and, you know, she had to go to urgent care or the ER and, and get it checked out. And fortunately, it was just, I think, a sprain or something like that. Um, but it was pretty bad or it sounded pretty bad. And the athletic trainer told me the only reason or probably one of the only reasons she did not tear her ACL is because her quad hamstring ratio was almost one. So basically almost perfect. Um, and it just shows how important. And that's why lifting like an athlete is very important because you're, focus, you're not just focusing on building muscle to look good. You're focusing on muscular balance. You're focusing on injury prevention. And I think it's a it's something that passes over a lot of younger athletes for sure mm-hmm. yeah and like that's something that i feel like in high schools i wish there was more of an emphasis on because the number one sport to tear your acl and i know i keep talking about that but it's because i've been through it you know it's a yeah. big thing for me it is female soccer and i think that's because there's you know for club soccer there is no injury prevention or like yeah. lifting or anything just straight soccer and then, like you said, all these lists that people are following, trying, thinking they're doing the right thing, 
they're not meant for you know an athlete they're meant for someone who's trying to like just look good like or compete or do whatever and then they end up getting so injured that it takes like a year away from you know playing soccer or whatever sport you play and you know I see it in like uh, baseball too I have a really good friend who plays at Georgia Tech baseball and he tore his UCL because you know he started he got into lifting and he started lifting the wrong way and then you know similar type thing so it's just it's very prevalent in high school athletes too and it's just i wish that there was something people could do to help yeah i mean and there is to an extent i know there are performance centers with strength and conditioning coaches that do proper workouts like that that's obviously good but that's that's not a resource everyone can do right because it gets expensive um i know a lot of the academy teams now are starting to have uh like in-house athletic trainers and strength and conditioning coaches to help with that i know um, some high schools do again it's more like i know a lot of private schools do it so again it's not a resource everyone can afford but um more and more it's becoming more accessible and i think down the road in, in, you know 10 20 years from now i think it'll be something that every high school athlete regardless of you know financial resources will have access to which is a good sign um so on that note we talk a lot about your injury and what might have caused it and all that i think what one thing a lot of people don't think about with injuries is the psychological impact it can't be easy being out a year especially your senior year of high school is the last time you're playing with these girls how did you deal with it mentally like what was that like it was hard um so i'm i'm religious and okay. so i i do believe that you know god had his reasons and as much as like bad things came out of it so did a lot of good um something that I do put a lot of emphasis now if you follow my TikTok you know like don't put your worth in your sport because it can be gone in a second yeah I feel like a lot of athletes do it I think almost every single athlete does it you know to some extent you put your self-worth in your performance and it's really hard when all of a sudden that performance is ripped away from you you can't do good or bad for an entire year it's just you have to sit there and watch everybody else play um it also created a lot of anxiety because it was my senior year I would go like watch my team play and I'd be sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to sit out for months and I'm going to have to get back to this level of play, if not higher, which higher, obviously D1 is. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I'm going to have to be better than this for, um, in like a year. And it was also kind of hard because I did have some complications, uh, with my surgery. So I, they kept pushing me off, pushing me off to run, to walk, to do anything. Mm. So I was actually promised, or promised as much as a doctor can promise, that I would be back to play in my um, senior state championship. Um, And I did not play. That would have been in uh, May of 2022. And I ended up not playing my first contact practice until August 1st. Oh, wow. And that was rushing. So the doc- they didn't even really want me to do that. And yeah. I was like, listen, college soccer starts today. It's time for me to go. So um, it was very hard mentally. And I think that coming back, like, was a really hard part, too. Because, like, I always thought that, oh, okay, after the year is up, you know, I'm back. And that's not the case. After your year is up, that's when you can start getting back. That's when you can, you know, start getting your speed of play back. Start getting your touch back. It's It's a difficult journey, but it's so worth it. And although it's hard, you know, you learn so many things along the way. Um, you know, it's, I've met so many great people. I've learned that, you know, my self-worth comes from within, not from external sources. 
and mm-hmm. it gave me a chance to really focus on school and it also gave me a passion because now I would like to be an orthopedic surgeon. Okay, there you go. So yeah, you know, it gave me that too. So. Yeah. Um, now it's interesting not putting your worth in your sport because um, the other episode, Caitlin, one of her pieces of advice was, yeah, not identifying with your sport or, well, not, not that, but not making your sport your whole identity because there, there's more to it than that. So it's interesting you guys kind of both talked about that, um, obviously from different perspectives. But yeah, it's, it's a good point because when you put so much into one thing and now you don't have it, you start to realize that. And sometimes these injuries, you know, can be a blessing in that regard because you start to realize what else there is to your life besides sports. You realize, okay, there are other things I can enjoy um, and all that. And I mean, your injury is rough, right? ACL is one of the worst injuries. So it's obviously a much longer recovery than, than other ones. Um, I guess an interesting question I have too did you have any like regrets during it? Almost like kind of thinking like, oh, if I had done this differently or if I hadn't gone to that practice, that game, like, like what kind of thoughts did you have? And then how did you deal with that? Yeah. So I'm a big person on, you know, as Bob Ross says, uh, no mistakes, just happy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there are definitely things I look back and say, wow, that really stinks. Like I wasn't even, so the way I tore it, it was just for fun. Some of my guy friends were leaving to go to Germany to play overseas. And I was like, you know what? It's the last practice. I'm going to get to see him. We'll just go out there and have some fun. So we go out there. We're just doing some 1v1s, 2v2s, like just for fun. Um, all of a sudden my knee pops, you know, and uh, the coach tells me to go straight to this one place. Um, so the first regret obviously is, that I should have let myself rest. I was very exhausted. Okay. I should have just given myself that day off um, instead of going and trying to push it. Uh, I also, I think that if I, you know, did, did some more research about where I was going, did some research about, you know, the different graphs, um, I think I would have ended up in a different location as well. Um, I ended up switching over to Dr. Lamplot at Emory and Flowery Branch about halfway through my recovery for some um, reasons. And he was fantastic, and he was already telling me all these things that he would have done differently from my surgery. So I think that another big thing is um, after you tear it, don't rush. Like, take your time. Do your research. um, Figure out what doctor is going to be best for an athletic knee repair, not just any sort of knee repair. Um, And make sure that you have a state-of-the-art PT center, especially if you have good insurance that will pay for it. Because I got to Georgia State. And they pulled out a STEM machine. They're like, oh, I'm sure you've done this before. I was like. What? No. You, oh, <laughs> yeah, you, oh, man. When I went to physical therapy for my back in high school, that was the first thing we did every session was this. The STEM was like 10 to 20 minutes. Um, and that, sorry, that, that, um, that surprises me because that's not, that's not an expensive, like fancy piece of equipment. Like the ones that PT offices have tend to be the bigger ones and a little fancier, but you can get like little ones. They're a couple hundred dollars maybe, but they're, they're portable. I got one. Some company asked me to promote it, and it's like a really small one you can get too. Like so that's oh man, that that's got to add more to the mental game as far as like when you said when they thought you could play back in May, and oh my god. Yeah, it made me realize, and that when I got to school, my quad still wasn't firing completely. Yeah. So we had to fix that. Um, they like 
my school now has so many resources and I love, um, you know, my new, my facility now, we have an amazing trainer, uh, amazing resources. And I loved my physical therapist. She was there a lot for me mentally. I was able to go to her because she was an athlete. She played volleyball at um, Kennesaw State. So she, you know, she was an athlete, so I could go to her. But the, um, the resources were just almost non-existent. Um, so I, that's something that I really, if you're going to tear your ACL or if you're, if you have torn your ACL and you're looking around for doctors, please do your research and make sure you get to the right person who knows what they're doing, especially knowing that you're going to have to return, not just to normal life, but to playing a, a sport because it's, it's different. It is very different. Yeah, no, that's. I didn't even think about that, I guess. <clears throat> I mean, I guess I was fortunate. Like when I only had really, I guess, two serious injuries. I broke my nose and then stress fracture in my back. And I was fortunate to get, you know, really good doctors for both of those. Like my broken nose, um, found a good plastic surgeon. Well, actually, the surgery was several years later, but found a good plastic surgeon there. Um, my orthopedist for my back, good and bad. He was a very good doctor. And I guess a lot of people don't, did their research about that because, like, I would wait like an hour and a half every appointment. So it was kind of a good take, but my recovery was great. And then my physical therapist was phenomenal. Um, so phenomenal that he ended up kind of like expanding his practice and did more administrative stuff and not seeing patients anymore. So, like, um, when my mom had to go back after, like, for her surgeries and stuff, like, he wasn't available, which kind of sucked. But yeah, um, it's no, it's incredible because I saw, like, with my injury, right? the physical therapy that I did with him. Um, Cause there was a couple sessions where, or for a little bit while I was working with another physical therapist at that office and it was different, even though it was like his practice, it was still different. And it's just, yeah, it's incredible how, how much different, how much of a difference it can make. Um, you know, that's a really good point because I don't think a lot of people think about doing the research because it's such a panic moment, right? You're injured. You need something right now. And you don't think about finding the best person for your situation. Um, no, that's, that's a really good piece of advice there. Um, yeah, that's definitely like in retrospect, if I could change one thing, that's what I would have changed. Um, yeah, just don't rush. Look around, ask your friends, because, you know, ask your friends who have done it, you know, where they went and if they liked it, just do your research. No, that's good. That's good. Um, all right. So switching gears a little bit. Uh, one thing I want to ask, you know, I'm sure everyone will be curious to hear about this. What does a typical day look like for you as a D1 athlete? Yeah, so first thing, I wake up at 6.30, um, usually eat a protein bar. Uh, you know, if I am really tired, I'll have some caffeine. I try not to rely on it in the mornings just yeah. because, you know, isn't great for you. And then it just, it doesn't become like an enhancer. It just is like you need it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so wake up, eat a protein bar go to practice we practice from 8 to 9 15 9 30 and then after that i'm a part of the first lifting group so i go in at like uh either 9 30 or 9 45 and lift until about uh 10 30 ish okay get out of there usually i'll have like some sort of snack while i walk to my first class i'm a uh, bio major okay. so i all my classes are at 11 a.m pretty much uh, and then i'll have some labs in the week but like on a Monday, for example, I'll go to my um, chemistry two lecture, come uh, go get lunch right after because that ends around 12, 12, 15. Um, come back to my dorm, 
do a lot of studying, do a lot of homework, try to knock it all out. Uh, and then I usually have either a lab in the afternoon. So like Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I'll have some sort of lab uh, or like a Bible study or I'll hang out with some friends for a little bit. That's typically like any time after five usually is when I'll like have like my free time. And then I try to be in bed by 930 because it's a 630 a.m. wake up and sleep is super important. So, yeah, that's got to be rough, though, like pra- early practice and lift um, getting to bed early as a bio major. So I'm guessing it's a lot of time management and not wasting time. Right. Yeah. And, and that can be difficult because, you know, because. Part of it is, you know, we're a college athlete, you know, we do want to be social, we do want to have social lives. Sometimes, you know, you do have to give that up because you do have homework, or you have homework, and maybe it's only three o'clock, but you know, it's going to take you to eight. So you can't go out and eat lunch with friends, because then that'll take an hour or two. And then all of a sudden, you're going to bed at 10 or 11. And then you're waking up and then your practice suffers. So it can be difficult, but it's, it's rewarding. It's just such a rewarding process. Exactly. Um, no, that's that's really good. Um, another question I have for you that I like to ask a lot of athletes now, whether this could be recent or when you're in high school, but have you ever had someone like comment on the way you eat? And if so, like, how did you respond to that? Or how would you respond? It's, it is hard. Um, actually, recently, it's, it's a little bit like, I went uh, to Chicago with my family and, you know, they were on vacation. So we're trying to eat out and experiment a little bit. And there was one night where we went to this place called Gino's Pizza, best pizza I'd ever had, you know, it was amazing. And I loved it. Um, But then the next day we're back in downtown, like, oh, let's go back to Gino's. And I'm over here like, okay, we just had this yesterday. You know, and I'm not crazy. Like, I will allow myself to eat the pizza. But like, (laughs) night two, like, I don't know. So I, I, you know, I went for a healthier option. I got myself like a chicken Caesar salad. And my whole family was like, why are you eating that? Like, we literally at Gino's. Like, come on, have some pizza. And it's, I had to sit there and think like, okay, am I the crazy one? Or am I right? And I think that that's something that you have to decide. Like, you need to be able to feel comfortable eating anything. I feel like you have to be able to sit down and be like, you know what, I'm going to have some pizza tonight and I'm not going to think about it for like the next four hours. You need to like be able to accept that. But you also need to be able to look at yourself and be like, all right, I am an athlete now. You know, I do have to pay attention to what I eat. And even though like we're only here for like a week or whatever, it is, it is still a week worth of food where, we're, where my family's eating out every single night. And you have to weigh like your options. Like, okay, Gino's Pizza. We just had this last night. It's great. But, like, I also know it might be better for me to just have, like, a chicken Caesar salad. And it's trying – like, it is hard because, as I said, I did struggle with, you know, some eating stuff in the past. But I feel like I am in a good place to where I can say, you know what, I don't need this pizza tonight. Like, I'm good. Like, or I can say, yeah, you know what, I want some pizza. Like, I feel like I'm in a very good place with all good. that. Good. No, that's good. Yeah. It, and it's it's interesting because it really goes both ways. Like sometimes it'd be like, oh, oh, of course you're eating healthy. Like, especially as a dietitian, I'll get to be like, oh, of course you're eating healthy. But then it's the opposite too. Like if I get pizza or if I get chicken fingers, be like, wow, I'm surprised you're eating that. And there's really like there's no win there, right? And um, I see a lot with athletes like, 
you know, sometimes they're afraid to eat too healthy because they're going to get those comments. Sometimes they're afraid to eat too much or they're afraid to eat something that's unhealthy, like when they're around teammates, like because they'll be like, oh, I can't believe I'm eating. I'm afraid that they're going to think I'm so unhealthy because I'm eating like this. And at the end of the day, everyone's different. You got to enjoy the food. So, yeah. Um, you know, like you say, like you, you fuel yourself for performance, you know, especially in season, it's very important. So, you know, like in season, a typical meal for me looks like, um, a lot of chicken. I don't really know how much I want to say eyeball five to six ounces. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of fruit because I love fruit and it's a good way to get some nutrients in and then some sort of carb, whether that's, you know, brown rice, um, noodles or like if I'm really craving it like a cupcake you know like something um but yeah like I make sure to get like enough protein fruits and carbs in all in one meal for breakfast and dinner breakfast is hard because you know we don't get out till around 10 30 and then I have class at 11 yeah but you know make sure I get really good lunches and dinners in the off season that's when I think it's like you know you can be a little bit more flexible with your diet you know have some things that you might not be able to enjoy during season but also, you know, if you eat what you want to eat and don't let the comments get to you, you know, you're your own person. Just identify with yourself. And if they want to say things, let them say it. Just enjoy your food. For sure. For sure. No, that's good. Um, cool. All right. So we're going to wrap up in a few minutes. Just got a couple more things I want to go through with you. It's coming some kind of fun thing. So this first one is going to be rapid fire. So I got a few rapid fire questions for you. Uh, first is okay. chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. All right. Uh, you might answer this already, but morning or night person? Morning. Yeah, I feel like you kind of have to be. <laughs> yeah. um, and then this one's going to be interesting because of where you're from, but eh, I guess it gets cold there. Would you rather play in the extreme heat, like 80, 90 degrees, or the extreme cold, like 30, 40 degrees? Extreme heat. An interesting point. I said I refuse to go anywhere but Florida or Georgia because of that. <laughs> yeah. No, that that's um, that's interesting. Yeah. it. But it gets cold in Atlanta, right? Oh, yes, and I hate it. It'll yeah. get to, like, 20 degrees. I'm like, listen, we're the south here. I, Why is it 20 degrees? <laughs> so, fun story. When I, when I got the job at Georgia for my internship, I'm, like, I didn't know much about the south other than, like, Florida and stuff like that. And I didn't think I was going to have to pack, like, a winter coat or hat or gloves. And fortunately, I, like, said that out loud. And someone's like, no, it gets cold there. I'm like, good to know. Um, my the, One of the things I hate the most about Athens is it's not that it was cold – but it changed. So I would leave for work in the morning and it was 35 degrees. So I'm, I have gloves, I have a hat, sweatshirt, jacket. And then I leave for work and it's 65 degrees. So I'm in long sleeves and shorts and I'm just carrying my jacket and all this stuff. Like I, 35 degrees was fine, but maybe get up to 45 and that's it. But it was just so confusing. <laughs> yeah, like next week it's, it's like exact same thing. It's literally going to be 30 in the morning. Then it get up to sixty five in the afternoon. Yeah, and even more. A lot of it's the altitude, and then Atlanta's a little bit higher than Athens, so it throws it off. But um, yeah, no, that's a it's a big culture shock. Like not expecting that kind of weather, uh, but you still get warmer weather there than you would like where I am in New Jersey, where it's nine eighteen degrees right now. So oh, yeah, yeah, that's no, always it's fun. Like, be here right now, so at least we've got that, and it snows like maybe once a year. Yeah, so, but then they shut down for a week when that happens. <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. Uh, cool. All right. So the last question I have for you, and this can um, be really interesting for everyone. What is your go-to pregame meal? Ooh, okay. Hold on. Clarification question. Like pregame, is the is this meal the dinner before a morning game or is it like 
afternoon game. Um, let's go like an afternoon game, like like the day of your pregame uh, meal. Jimmy John's. Because that's what the team gives us. Oh, okay. So you guys are catered. Okay. That was kind of boring then. Um, All right. Well, what do you get from Jimmy John's? Okay. I get a – it's boring. It's so boring. No, it's probably good though. Turkey – a white turkey six-inch with provolone, light mayonnaise, salt, pepper, and lettuce. All right. Plain and simple, which is good. You don't want anything too heavy, right? The white bread instead of the wheat is smart. You don't want too much fiber. Um, no, that's, that's why I, I didn't think about getting the, the meals catered. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's helpful though. I think that's, it's simple. It's convenient, but yeah. yeah All right. I do have a, sorry. No, you're good. I just wanted to say, cause it's kind of funny. I do have a lucky pre night meal, which is Indian. Okay. I get curry and rice. So Curry and rice. Okay. Interesting. So is it now, do you find performance benefit from that or is it purely superstition? I just play better. I don't know. It's just superstition. It's weird. It's just weird. Okay. Interesting. No, definitely interesting. Um, Cool. All right. So, yeah, that's really all we have to talk about today. Is there anything else you want to add? Any uh, last message for the audience? No, I'm just super thankful that I got to come on here, you know, talk and hopefully help some, some people or young people out with, you know, some advice. And, you know, just great to talk to you again, too. Of course. Of course. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast and thank you everyone for listening. Make sure to subscribe on podcast or iTunes, or if you want to watch the podcast, check out YouTube as well. Uh, Thank you again and tune in for next week's episode.